Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. We are here waiting for the golf guys to get out of the way. They're they're good buddies, but you know what my saying is about golf. We love golf. It keeps the unworthy off the water. We have got a full show lined up for you today. We're going to talk some fly fishing in a couple different episodes. We're going to have segments. We're going to talk high country fly fishing, and we're going to talk uh, stillwater fly fishing with the rivers running so high going to talk some regular fishing with Nate Zielinski and Greg Clausel, legendary guide from Minnesota, is going to join me in uh, the second hour. And we did a two-day extensive test on some baits. And we're going to tell you about those baits and what we caught and how they worked. And it was uh, it was pretty phenomenal. We did a really good time. Of course, Ronnie Castelloni will join us. And uh, he's going to talk about the high water level of Boyd and some of the opportunities there. But let's go right to the phones. And joining us, a good friend of the show. You've heard him on here many times in the past. He's an author. He's a fly tire, an accomplished fly fisherman. A good friend, Mr. Uh, Steve Schweitzer. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. You know, I thought I was going to have you on earlier in the year, but I wasn't sure the high country was accessible. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. I think we're about uh, two weeks into uh, the the high runoff mark. So two weeks ago is when it kind of crested, and I've been up in the high country uh, two times over the past week, and uh, I'm getting close to eleven thousand feet with uh, almost no snow on the trails. So that's a really good sign. Well, before we go any further, for folks that don't know, Steve has written. A couple books just dedicated to a guide to fly fishing in the high country. One was a fly fisherman's guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. And the other one was uh, a guide to uh, Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. And those are two of your favorite, favorite places. I got to ask you, though, Rocky Mountain National Park, but what I've been seeing in the newspapers, would you probably stay away from there on a weekend? Oh, my gosh. We were there uh, last weekend. Um, we got there pretty darn early and still had to uh, go to the overflow parking at Bear Lake and take the bus up to a trail uh, at about 6.30 in the morning. Um, and then as we left about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to uh, go downtown and get ourselves an ice cream cone, uh, uh, the line was about one mile long to get in. Uh, yeah. Just shy of a mile, so that's uh, that's to be expected. You know, if, ten years ago the park got about three point two million visitors. Last year they had four point six million visitors, so it's really increased. Well, and it's a holiday weekend too. You know, people were planning vacations on both sides of the Fourth of July, but weekends are going to be busy. But I, I, the one thing we should mention is don't be afraid to go up during the week because during the week you can usually get in pretty easily. And and if you're going to head up to the high country, which we're going to talk about, you're going to get away from the crowds, right? Oh, absolutely. 
it only takes a, a you know maybe a, a 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes of walking off any trailhead and you're you're going to be the only fly fisherman around most of the visitors are day hikers with families and kids and uh, so you'll you'll still get a good experience up there by yourself. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what is going on. You mentioned earlier the rivers, the lower parts of the rivers are blowing out pretty well. We really dodged a bullet with this cold weather. I know a lot of people didn't like that it stayed cool so long, but if that water that was up there had come down all at once, I think the flooding would have been epic. But we're fortunate that it's melted slowly, but my indications are there's still quite a bit of snow. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, there is. At about um, 10,000 feet, I don't care where you go um, in the in the, the immediate Rockies here. Uh, I, I can't speak to the southern Rockies in Colorado, but um, you're going to see some snow, uh, maybe some snow in the trails. At 10,500, you're definitely going to be uh, walking over snow uh, to get to the lakes. The lakes are iced out at 10,500. 11,000 feet, you're going to see uh, maybe a little ice on the lakes. Um, with this warm weather we've had in the past eight days, uh, that ice will go away in just a couple of days. So I doubt that there's any ice on the lakes anymore, but getting there will be a little rough. So, And there's still plenty of snow to melt uh, to come down and make those rivers cool. Now, when you're up there, did you up just the scout, or were you, were you actually fly fishing? Oh, no. I uh, Now, Terry, I would have to take a fly rod if I went up that All high. right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Point I can't well tease taken. myself. <laughs> and what are you seeing with the fishing? And if I wanted to head up, let's say I don't want to, well, maybe Indian Peaks. We'll talk about that. Let's start with the park. Let's just say I'm, I'm going yeah. to the park next this next coming week. I want to avoid the, the crowds tomorrow. Uh, what type of places and elevations would you want to uh, head towards? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, really, the park is wide open now in terms of any mo- most any lake you want to get to. Yeah, maybe those lakes at 11,500 and a little higher might have a little ice on them, but still ice out fishing can be great. So um, the, both the streams and the lakes are open to you to fish. You know, take a four or five weight. It'll get windy during the midday, so a five weight helps you punch through the wind a little more if you're going to fish a lake. Um, stream fishing, the streams are still swollen, uh, but the water is really clear and really cold those fish have fed really well because when the water rises it washes uh up on its banks and kind of dislodges insects and worms and whatnot that uh, normally live on a dry bank so or a moist bank that is so these fish have fed really well they're sitting tight to the bank or low to the bottom where the flows are really slow so that's where you're going to have to get your fly um i caught a in a very small stream, no more than maybe seven, eight feet wide. Yesterday, I caught a 13-inch brookie, which is big. For That's the a beautiful uh, so. brookie. Oh, I love brookies yeah, like that. Yeah, it was a male. It, it was a male. It had a little slight type on it, which is strange because, um, you know, they don't get that until the fall. But still, it was a beautiful, highly colored brookie and uh, lucky to get it. Now, um, just use a, a heavy nymph to get down. Nymph of your favorite choice. It doesn't really matter up there because food is food to them during the short uh, uh, eating season that they have. Uh, I happen to use, and I'll just tell everybody now, I used a uh, San Juan worm. So uh, because worms are dislodged off the bank, it's a plentiful food source right now, and they kind of key on that. That's their hatch, so to speak. Well, don't uh, don't you think, too, that San Juan worms are a little bigger, a little more visible and with the water running a little higher, even if it's clear, they pick it. They see it easier too. Yeah, that that's true. 
things are moving by them pretty fast, so they have to react as fast as possible to get any food that they want. Yeah, I know a lot of times later on when this when the uh when it's almost pocket water fishing up there where I haven't fished some of the higher ones you have, but I just put like a Chernobyl ant or something into a little pocket and little fish they're so opportunistic they're looking for that's their meal for the day almost sometimes. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, pocket water is a great place to look for this time of year, by the way. Okay. So now we're 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 headed up uh any place in the park in particular? The, of course, they can go buy your book, and they'd know all the places, right? We'll talk about the books <laughs> yeah. here in a little bit. But any areas, or you just any any that are open at those altitudes, fishing pretty well. Well, it like I said, it's wide open. I um, I'd be a little cautious of fishing the Colorado on the west side right now because it's extremely swollen. Uh, unless you're uh, kind of a seasoned wader or care to get wet. Um, it's tough to get in that river and fish it right now. So let that one come down a little bit. But the the rivers and streams that come from a lake higher above are the ones you want to focus on. And there's just so many, Terry, to talk about that uh, we'd have to fill up a whole hour to do that. But, uh, you know, the Fern Lake Trailhead goes along the Big Thompson clear up to a place called the Pool before you gain altitude to go up to Fern Lake. Uh, that's a popular area to fish. And and I have to uh, tell you, by the way, that we saw moose on both trips, both on the east and the west side. So um, there's moose everywhere. Uh, just be cautious. And we saw some elk with uh, little ones that still had spots on them. So just be cautious of the mamas and the, and the mooses up there that have, have the little ones running around. Yeah, they can. You know, people don't realize moose are probably the most dangerous animal in Colorado. They're also one of the most spectacular to see if you're cautious and you watch them from the right distance. Now, let's talk about yeah. uh, Indian Peaks. Uh, is that a little more accessible, less crowded? Uh, how would you approach Indian Peaks? Yeah, I was just there yesterday. Um, and uh, uh, same rules apply, 10,500 to 11,000. You'll see some snow, but the lakes are open. Um, it, uh, the interesting thing is that Brainerd Lake, uh, recreation area, state recreation area opened up last, uh, Tuesday. So just about a week ago. And, um, so that parking lot saves you two miles in and two miles out if you park from the remote lot or hiked in from the remote lot. So, uh, but the rivers, man, are they full, uh, and up in the, the higher meadows around the lakes it is swampy. I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be a bad mosquito season up there, so be prepared with that as well. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of water. It's going to be, uh, yeah, people need to beware. Before we run out of time, I want to talk about the books. First of all, they're going to start fishing. It's going to get better and better. How late into the fall do you fish these areas? Oh, my gosh, Uh, up until at least past the first snow. Once the the streams start to freeze, and obviously that cuts down a lot of fishing opportunities. So, you know, you can go into the first of November with no problem in most any year. Yeah, and it's it's spectacular. To me, the areas you outlined in your books uh, are the essence of fly fishing. I mean, we talk about, and you and I have chased fish all over the world and big trout and other species, but... You know, you may not catch a 25-inch trout up in the park, but you get in some of those lakes, you can catch some pretty good-sized ones. But when you're fishing those streams and and you're just in that setting, I don't know that anything could be more beautiful, Steve. Oh, no. It ends up not being about catching fish that day, but but just enjoying the experience around you. Now, tell people, let's start um, Rocky Mountain National Park. How long has that book been out? Uh, Since 2011. So it's been out a little while. And it's uh, and 
folks, I'm going to tell you that Steve's books are they're guidebooks to fly fishing, but they're tabletop books. He's a an incredible photographer, and the pictures that are in these books, Steve, are just fantastic. It's a book you leave out on your coffee table, and if I was going to describe the book, and then I'll have you tell me if I'm wrong, I would say it's a book that you don't necessarily read from cover to cover, but you pick up and look at before you go, and there's maps, and there's information about hatches and trails. Well, why don't you kind of take us through what people would find in the book? Yeah, the books, both for Indian Peaks and uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, are meant really to be guidebooks about getting yourself or hiking yourself into fishable water. So it's partly a hiking book and partly a a tactics how-to book. And I really wanted to take photos to show the people what they could expect and visually experience if they were to go to the place that they've chosen for that day. So uh, the pictures are really meant to give you a visual guide as as to you know what's there and the beauty that just surrounds every fishable water in the in the park. And and yeah, it really is something you can. Um, you've got maps and hatch uh, hatch charts that hold true. And if people wanted to look for these books now, the either one Rocky Mountain National Park or the Indian Peaks, where are the places they can find them? Well, the best place would be on Amazon.com, and uh, both books are sold there. Um, and uh, if you buy through the seller called Pixachrome, uh, Pixachrome Publishing, that's me. I'll sign the book for you and send it your way. All right. Sounds really good, Steve. And if you were headed out, uh, let's not say tomorrow, but let's say you are headed out. It's supposed to, The weather's supposed to be a little damp tomorrow and Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday are supposed to be hot, dry days Where's the first place you would have between the two? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I would uh, probably go to Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. That place is just opening up, and the rivers are just full of fish and, and water, and it's it's a little more wild, and the hiking is just as easy or just as difficult, whatever you want to make it, as Rocky Mountain National Park. So Indian Peaks is my choice. All right. Thank you, my friend. We need to get together soon. Yeah, let's do that. Thanks a lot. All right. That's Steve, uh, Steve Schweitzer. Thanks, Steve. He's an author, fly tire, incredible books. If you haven't seen those books, get a hold of a copy. But most of all, we've got these great resources up there. Get up and take advantage of them. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, um, we're going to talk about um, uh, some other fishing opportunities in Colorado uh, at a state park and maybe a way you can even ha- make some money and have some fun on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going to go right to the phones, and we are joined by an aquatic biologist from the southwest part of the state, Eric Gardenio. Did I say that right, Eric? Oh. All right, Eric, now you're there. I hit the wrong button. That was my fault. Oh, boy, you had me nervous there for a second. Well, usually I try to blame the people in the control the control room, but I hit the wrong button. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on. I'm glad uh, glad we got to do it. Yeah, I am too. Now, you're in the southwest. Before we get, there's an event coming up in a particular reservoir we want to spend some time on. But before we even get to that, overall, what are you seeing in your region as far as river flows and water levels? Oh, it's been crazy this year. You know, we had such a historic snowpack, and that snow just kept coming through the spring months and 
even here into into June, we were getting snow. So um, I'm sitting here at Ridgeway Reservoir right now, and the mountains around here are still white, and the rivers are running full and off color, and kind of a tough year to be a river fisherman out on uh, on this end of the state. Well, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about in the second hour of the show, um, and this is for fly fishermen, we're going to talk a lot of conventional fishing also, but is taking advantage of the still waters while these rivers are running so high. Now, we're, we're glad to see this water. We know it makes things tougher, but we needed this right. water. And it really does do a rejuvenation to these rivers too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's one of the best things you can have for a river. You know, it comes through it scours out some of that sediment that loosens up the cobbles and the riffles those loose cobbles are where your bugs live so normally you have really good um invertebrate response after these kind of years and then they're also just good for creating sort of the shape of the channel and uh your your natural habitat features that fish are gonna gonna hold in so really happy to have the water and you know, on top of that, unlike last year, they're going to have nice water temperatures clear through August. So it should be a really good year for the fish. They tend to handle these high flows really well. It's just the fishermen that get a little frustrated during runoff. Yeah, I think we're going to get some runoff for a while yet, but I think we're going to have some incredible river fishing in the fall. But you said you're at um, Ridgeway Reservoir. Let's talk a little bit about Ridgeway. We'll get into the actual fishing there because it actually has some incredible fishing but it has a couple species that, um, because of the protection of uh, native species, that there has to be some mitigation done. And you guys have come with a, up with a way to do that and still make it fun for the public, haven't you? Yeah, you know, we've had a problem here at Ridgeway Reservoir for a number of years where we've got invasive smallmouth bass um, in the in the reservoir, Um this reservoir drains into the Gunnison River eventually, where we have some very valuable warm water native species. And there's a lot of research that shows that these smallmouth bass can be really damaging to those native species um, if they get established in the river. So what we're doing here at Ridgeway is just trying to allow the anglers to have some fun helping us out with this problem. And uh, what we've done is we've got a uh, tournament going with a harvest incentive. Um, we're offering $12,000 in cash prizes this year um, with a number of ways to win, uh, all based on, on catching smallmouth bass and turning them into us. So tell, let's tell people. So the idea here is to help get the smallmouth out of the, out of the lake so they don't end up in the river but then also to manage the fishery so it ends up being an incredibly good fishery. But first of all, you've got this tournament. How many years have you been running this tournament now? This is the fifth year, and it's been very successful. I've got to say we have some great anglers here in the state. We've um, we've seen a decline of 58% in the number of smallmouth bass in the reservoir since we started doing this tournament uh, five years ago. So folks have been effective, and we're we're just hoping to keep that up. Now, you got some pretty good amount of prizes. How much do you have cash to give away this year? Uh, $12,000 cash. That's pretty awesome. So how do I win some of this? Say I want to come out. When are the dates of the tournament, and when do I have to be there? Yeah, you know, the tournament started this morning, actually. We had the first fish turned in just before I called you. Um, and it runs through Saturday, July 27th. 
So there's about three weeks here, four weekends that folks can come out and fish the tournament. Um, really, anytime you want to come fish Ridgeway Reservoir in that time frame and keep some smallmouth bass, um, that's fine with us. So go through how it works. You catch these smallmouth, and then what do you do? And any size, by yeah. the way. Any size. And, and one note to anglers, if you are coming out here to fish this, there's a lot of fish under 8 inches, so it's almost better to use panfish tactics for these uh, for these smallmouth um, in Ridgeway. But the way you win is you go out and catch some smallmouth bass. We have a fish checking station open here uh, near the boat ramp. And you bring those fish to us. We write down your name, get your contact information, and give you an angler number. And then we give you a raffle ticket for each smallmouth bass you turn in. So the more you catch, the better your odds of winning. And at the end of the tournament, um, we go ahead and draw a raffle. There's a grand prize that's worth $2,500 pulled out of that raffle, and then we're giving away six what we call second-tier prizes, which are $250 each. So a number of folks are, are going to walk away with some money on that. And then in addition, we're offering prizes for the most, second-most, and third-most smallmouth bass turned in over the course of the tournament. The most is worth $5,000, second most is worth $1,500, and third most is worth $500. And then to top that off, we've even got prizes for the largest and smallest smallmouth bass turned in, which are worth uh, $500 bucks a piece. Now, the station is not open seven days a week. Is that right? That's correct. Our station's open on um, Fridays from um, 1 to 5 p.m., and then Saturdays and Sundays were open from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. And so if anglers fish during the week, we just ask them to hold on to those fish and then um, bring them into us on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and we'll go ahead and get them, get them registered. Well, what a way to have some fun and catch some fish and have a good time. Let's talk a little bit, too, about the actual other fishing in the reservoir. What do you see there? I know it's got some huge brown trout. Uh, what's yeah, it? you know the real trophy fishery in here is, is the brown trout fishery. And for more experienced anglers looking for a challenge, um, these brown trout are really well fed. They're really big. The biggest one I've personally seen was 22 pounds. But every time we sample this lake, we're seeing large numbers of fish between 5 and 12 pounds. Um, we don't see anglers catching too many of those. So if you're interested in trophy brown trout and interested in a challenge, um, figuring out these big browns at Ridgeway certainly fits the bill. The other thing we've been doing is we started stocking splake about seven or eight years ago, and I've been hearing about some splake over five pounds folks are catching in the spring and fall. So there's definitely some trophy potential there. Um, in addition to that, there's perch in the reservoir, and uh, we do stock it with catchable rainbows. It's on a state park, so having those rainbows here is great for you know, the number of families that are coming from all over the state and from out of state to check out the state park can keep the kids busy catching some catchables and, and uh, teaching, them, teaching them the fun about fishing. Now, you also mentioned perch. That's a great panfish. Are they fairly prolific? Is there any size to them? You know, they're not highly abundant in here, but I've seen some really nice ones. We were netting this six or seven years ago, and I saw one that was within ounces of record um last year during the tournament a guy brought in a stringer of perch that he thought were smallmouth bass 
And he was disappointed when I told him they weren't smallmouth bass, but I was kind of jealous because he had probably 15 perch and they were all, you know, 10 and 11 inch perch, some really nice fish. Oh, so and they're had a so good. Catching perch. Oh, those are so good to eat. Oh, they're a member oh, of the yeah. walleye family, and anybody that likes walleye will love those. I'm going to keep you just a minute longer here, and then we're going to um, make up some more time after because we've got a great segment coming up after the break, too. Um, but you mentioned another lake over there that you think has really come back on again, and that's Crawford. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, Crawford's been an interesting story over the last six or seven years. Um, the history of the lake is it, it was a good trout and largemouth bass fishery in the 80s, good perch and crappie fishery in the 80s. And then Northern Pike got into the reservoir, and they really took a toll on the perch and crappie fisheries and really limited the production of uh, bait fish that we had in that fishery. And so by the time I started in this position in 2013, there really weren't a lot of perch and crappie left in that reservoir. There were a pretty high number of pike, um, but it was very rare to see fish over about 28 inches, and they were definitely skinny fish just because they didn't have a good food, food base in there. So what we started doing is every year or two, we're, we're trying to reduce the number of northern pike by netting them out in the spring. And so we pull those fish out. We donate them to families here in, in Montrose who might be in need of some extra um, protein. And then that's allowed us to um, really increase the perch and crappie fisheries in that reservoir. So the output of perch and crappie has been really high over the last three or four years. What I've been trying to do with that increased prey base is establish a largemouth bass fishery. So I've been pretty actively um, stocking largemouth bass in there. And this year it feels like it's really coming into fruition. We're seeing a lot of three and four pound fish. Um, a buddy and I fished it a couple weekends ago and we caught 15 largemouth. And I'd say half of those were in the two to four pound class with probably six or seven fish over three pounds. Um, pretty good day of largemouth bass fishing by Colorado standards. So oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that. And these fish are fat. I actually, I caught one that we put it on a tape and we put it on a scale. It was 17 inches and four pounds, Wow, which, uh, is just off the charts as far as, is uh, a chunky largemouth goes. So yeah, Eric, definitely we... a place for folks to keep, keep in mind. Eric, we're out of time, and Matt Schuler's waiting to tell us about the rifle area. But I got to tell you okay. that there's you got some great warm water fishing over there. People looking for a place to camp, go to the tournament, make some money. I'm sure there's information on the tournament on the Ridgeway website, and yeah, there there is. And and get over to Crawford too. I tell you what, if you want to go do some bass or warm water fishing, Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. Sure, appreciate it. You bet. Uh, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Great Eagles song. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's get to the next uh, caller because I want to make sure we spend plenty of time on both the topics he wants to cover. And joining us from the rifle area is uh, Matt Schuler. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Terry. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. And it started out a little rainy, but it's looking beautiful here. What's the weather like over there in rifle? 
80 degrees and sunny, no clouds. It's been oh. like that all week. Oh, it just sounds great. You have a beautiful complex here. We're going to talk about that complex because you've actually expanded the opportunities there against this again this year for both fishing and boating, and there's just a lot, lot to do there. But before we get to that, holiday weekend has kind of kicked off. A lot of people are on the water, and you kind of wanted to make people aware of a program that's going on nationally, and that's called Operation Dry Water. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, Operation Drywater, it's a national awareness and enforcement campaign that's focused on educating the public on the dangers and consequences of drinking and boating and with the hopes to deter people from um, drinking and using drugs while on boats. So we're doing this by having um, more visible patrols on the water during the weekend of the 4th of July. Um, Typically every year we have it about this weekend. So agencies across Colorado are talking to people on boat ramps and out on the water to let people know about the dangers of alcohol and drug use and about our tough BUI laws. So boating under the influence in Colorado, it's a misdemeanor. So if you get caught um, drinking and boating, um, you could be facing large fines, jail times, um, and the loss of your boating privileges. So in in Colorado, um, just like the driving under the influence laws, uh, if you have 0.08 um, uh, blood alcohol content of 0.08, you'll be charged with driving under the influence, and it's the same thing for boating. So if you have a blood alcohol content of 0.08, um, you will be charged for boating under the influence. Um, and the reasons why our boating laws are so tough is that um, alcohol is the leading known factor in recreational boating deaths in the United States. Um, and we all know that alcohol can impair boaters' judgments um, and their balance and vision and reaction time. But the stressors of boating, such as the sun, vibration, wind, motion, that all intensifies the side effects of, of alcohol use on boating. So if you think about it uh, as one drink on the boat is equivalent to three drinks on the land. So um, we'll be out this weekend um, talking to people and just kind of enforcing um, boating laws um, and really just being aware of it and um, just making sure that everybody is sober and aware of the, the, the boat safety laws. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, first of all, too many people make the mistake of driving their car after they've had a little too much to drink and they think, well, I feel okay, I'm all right. You shouldn't do that. But it hits you even harder and sooner on a boat. You brought that up. You People are surprised by how quickly it can in, impair them. And now you've gone to a vehicle that you're probably not used to driving on a regular basis. And you've added variables like waves and currents and no road signs and lines and uh, and people jumping off. of. But just added so much that it can get so dangerous in a hurry. You know, I, 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 we've had, I think, 10 drownings in Colorado already this year. I don't know if any or all were alcohol-related, but we want yeah. people to go out and have a good time. No one wants to be mean, but, you know, you've got to use common sense around the water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything that you that you said is, is true. Um, and, you know, large percentage, over 80% of the boaters that are on the lakes and, and uh, that have been involved in boat accidents don't have any sort of boat um, education or boat training. So if you think about it, a lot of people out there just don't really understand what they're doing on a boat. Um, I stop people all the time that tell me that it's the first time that they're on a boat and they're doing something careless. So um, if other people are out there behaving like that, you want to be sober to just at least have, stand a chance of defending yourself and protecting yourself against everybody else. So you can kind of look at it that way. 
Um, and you're right about um, the deaths in, in Colorado, the drowning so far this year. I know that some of them um, were um, did have alcohol or drugs or a combination of the, uh, of the two in their system. And this isn't just for um, power sports. This is also for um, paddlers as well. So if you're on a canoe or a stand-up um, paddleboard um, or any kind of inflatable um, boat or a kayak, um, the, the BUI laws apply to you as well. Um, I have investigated um, drownings of paddlers um, that were that did have alcohol and drugs in their system, um, and it resulted in a drowning. So it's not just for um, our power sports. It's for paddlers as well. Well, you know, and speaking of all that, and I want to move on to the great opportunities. Don't want to make this just a negative, but we want people to not have a tragedy and not be involved in a bad situation. But a lot of people are out there, and whether they're water skiers or jet skis or fishermen in different boats and kayaks, and I own kayaks, I own a big boat, I own float tubes, um, I've, I have a wide variety, but a lot of them are inexperienced, They're just, and you know they just want to be outdoors, but no one takes the time, either the dealer that sells them the equipment or them themselves need to take a personal responsibility to learn the rules so that we can be out there and all have fun and, you know, and understand what the, the t- common courtesies and etiquette is. One great one I run into all the time are vehicles, whether they're uh, a fishing boat getting in the way of a sailboat, whether they're a paddle boat or getting too close to a fisherman on shore. But you have to give other craft that are, especially fisher, Uh, anglers 150 feet if they're on shore and 150 feet from a boat a lot of people aren't even aware of that yeah yeah absolutely um and there's a lot of ways that you can educate yourself um our website at uh, our cpw website has a ton of information under the boating section uh, um, about the 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 navigational rules and the safety equipment that's required. We also offer um, boating safety classes. Um, they're designed for 14 and 15 year olds. If they want to operate a, a motorboat, they'll take this course, and then they can operate a motorboat. Um, before, if you don't have that course, you can't operate a motorboat in Colorado until you're 16 years of age. But if an adult wants to take this course just to learn about our all of our safety rules and how to behave on the water, they're more than welcome to take these courses as well. All right. Now that we've got everybody well behaved and playing well together and understanding and we're all got to have a good time let's tell them about the rifle area you've got some great facilities there you have rifle gap you have harvey gap and you have the rifle falls park up there um let's go through first uh, there's camping at at least two of those locations i believe is that right yeah, so we're, we're a complex. We've got three state parks, and they're all within about 10-minute drive of each other, so they're all very close, and they all offer a very unique experience. So Rifle Gap is kind of our flagship park here. It has, um, we've got about 100 campsites here, um, a 365-acre reservoir, which is um, just down five feet right now. Um, it's got great, um, great fishery. Um, both warm and cold water fish are found here, and um, there's hiking. It's surrounded by um, BLM land and national forests. Land, so there's a lot of opportunities outside the park for um, horseback riding, hunting, fishing, um, four-wheeling, things like that. And then over at Harvey Gap, um, it's a day-use area. It's a little bit smaller of a lake. Um, it's, it's about 150 acres when it's full, and it's just down a couple of feet right now as well. And um, the unique thing about Harvey Gap is that it's limited at 20 horsepower, so it's very popular with paddle sports. We have a lot of people that will come over there and stand up paddle boards and kayaks and canoes and spend the day paddling around and don't have to worry about big wakes from other boats and um, speed from jet skis and stuff like that. So it's more, a little bit more of a calmer, peaceful lake if you're learning how to stand up paddleboard. 
And then, of course, the Falls area. It has, you know, limited access. When it's busy, you know, there's parking and it fills up. But that's just a beautiful walk up to those Falls. And what a tremendous area. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of hiking opportunities up there. It's a little bit higher in elevation, so the temperatures are a little bit cooler. Um, the the falls, um, there's three waterfalls that are 80 feet um, tall, and we've got a series of limestone caves that are um, just really family-friendly that people can come and explore. There's a small campground there. Um, there's a creek that goes through there that has some brook trouts that you can um, fish out of there. It, it's connected to the Rifle Falls Fish Hatchery, so that's another opportunity to go up there and um, um, see the fish that they have up there that they stock all our lakes with. And then uh, further north, it's National Forest and where there's more opportunities for camping and hiking up there. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the fishing. Let's start at Rifle Gap. What can okay. people expect to catch there? Um, so right now, people are reporting that they're catching perch, smallmouth bass, and walleye. Um, we also have a lot of trout in the in the lake. It's not it, we primarily stock it with our rainbow trout. Um, we get a lot from our our hatchery just up north. We're good friends with the people up there, so they give us a lot of rainbow trout. Um, it's a little bit slower right now with the temperatures warming up, but um, we also have black crappie, um, and we've got um, smallmouth bass. I think I mentioned that, and pike as well. So we've got quite a, a quite a few different varieties of species found in, in our lake here. And then over at Harvey Gap, we pretty much have the same um, same species, but we also have um, largemouth bass there, and we have channel catfish, and we stock it with tiger muskies as well. Yeah, so it's great, both two-tier fisheries with both trout and then all these warm water species. And we should mention that Harvey Gap just reopened. Yes, so it's the been boaters. closed. Yeah, it's been closed the last two years um, because there wasn't funding for the aquatic nuisance species program. Um, so we just reopened it this year for um, for boats. So it's the first time in a couple of years that um, that boats have been allowed um, back there. And like I like I said, it's limited to twenty horsepower. But if you've got a larger uh, motor on your boat and you've got a trolling motor, just use your trolling motor and you're fine. You can use your lar- larger motor to help you trailer your boat if if you need to. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a new, somewhat of a new uh, recreational opportunity we have up there that we haven't been able to have the last couple of years. Well, you know, people are always looking for beautiful places to camp and then a variety of warm water fishing, and Rifle really provides that. And you've got from the front range that beautiful drive through the mountains to get there. We've got to run, Matt, but a lot going on. Let's have hope that people remain safe, but there's lots to do out there in this great weather now. Yeah, absolutely. We've got great weather. There's a lot of recreation opportunities up here, even outside our parks. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, thanks for your time. appreciate it, Terry. You bet. Matt Schuler from Parks and Wildlife Rifle Area. If you haven't fished up there for the panfish, the walleyes, the pike, the bass, both these last two places we talked about, great fishing. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back, tell you a few quick things coming up, then head to another break here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Good music choices. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And I'll tell you what, if you've never gone down and just checked out that facility, if you're into motorcycles, side-by-sides, ATV, um, uh, wave runners, any of those things, go down and check them out. Their selection and their size are at... 88th and Washington is the address, but they're really just off of Pearl and 88th. Just a fantastic place. Hey, 
Coming up this next hour, we're going to have a fun-filled hour. Nate Zielinski and Ronnie Castiglione will join us. But we're also going to um, talk to the folks from Blue Quill about stillwater angling and float tubing. So we're going to talk some of that. And then during the next hour, Greg Clajo, legendary guide, outdoor writer, and tournament fisherman from Minnesota is going to join me. And him and I spent uh, a couple days on the water in northern Minnesota just testing some baits. Now, occasionally we'll do this. Even if they're not necessarily the best presentation for the conditions, we'll take certain baits that we want to test to see how they perform. And we went out and tested and fished strictly with one brand of bait. And the results were pretty phenomenal. We're going to share that with you in the second hour. And it was really interesting, and we're going to tell you how we did it, how we rigged them, the kind of waters to look for. And a lot of that will apply right here in Colorado. I'll tell you what, you're going to be able to fish a lot of these same presentations and have a lot of fun and a lot of success, a lot of success with them. And, you know, if you want to know about when we do these kind of things, we always post on Facebook. I'll be posting uh, some pictures and videos and some results of what we did with the baits, showing pictures of fish, pictures of the baits, how they were rigged, and some videos of what we did over the next week or so. Uh, So that'll all be on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So you should follow us. And you would have known last week that um, Brad Peterson was filling in for me, and he had um, Godfrey from the Duck Dynasty crew on with him. He had uh, one of the Linders on with him. All that will be on our Facebook page. You'll know when it's coming up. Next week, Austin Parr is going to fill in. I'm going to be going down to ICAST. And when I get back from ICAST, I'm going to be posting. ICAST is the big fishing expo every year. It's not open to the public. It's the media, the manufacturers, the dealers, the industry. And a lot of stuff gets announced. I'm going to be covering a lot of that and letting you know uh, what's going on there and giving you some insight into what uh, any new products I, that come about. So you should follow us on Terry Wickstrom outdoors on facebook and also karen every time i do an article or a lot of times i'll bring back a past column i wrote for the denver post or something i'll post it on my facebook page or karen will and you guys can go reread it now you know add a few notes make it more timely and every time karen adds a new video to our youtube channel by the way our youtube channel is growing phenomenally i think we've got 100 100 to 150 episodes up there now every time she adds that she posts that on our facebook page uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So, And then I, I, if there's a really special podcast, which you can always listen to the podcasts from this show by going to 104.3 The Fan. but And we go back for months, actually. But if there's something we think especially pertinent, like when we had the director of Parks and Wildlife on, we will immediately put that podcast on the Facebook page so that you'll uh, you'll be able to listen to it. And that's, uh, again, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, uh, Nate Zielinski is going to join us and not only give us a fishing update, but I think he wants to talk a little bit about getting ready for hunting, and he's going to have a special guest. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.